Are we ready to rage? We are ready. Hi, everybody. This is Ready to Rage, where your fashion, pop culture, and feelings podcast. I'm Sandy Scanlon. And I'm Ashley McCoy. And we're really raging today, guys. Oh, yes. About our favorite thing to scream about. One of. One of our favorite things. You can probably guess it. Pyramid schemes and MLMs. But we're not going to do, like, every single pyramid scheme under the moon because we just don't have time for that. Today, we're zeroing in on LuLaRoe. Which, if you haven't heard of LuLaRoe, you probably live under a rock. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, so the documentary Lula Rich recently premiered on Amazon. It's amazing. If you have not already seen it, go check it out. But today we're going to be talking a little bit about the company and why it's problematic and just some of the crazy twists and turns that we learned about in the documentary. Yeah. And why we want to talk about this one is because it's explicitly fashion-related this is a clothing company. I should have mentioned that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're not talking about Herbalife. <laughs> yeah, it's a fashion company. They make some really interesting clothes. Chuggy. Uh, you know, it's some people's thing, and that's okay. We're more going to focus in on why, as a business as a whole, they're just unethical and kind of get in some weird, like, culty territory. Totally, totally culty just super weird. I was shocked I hadn't heard of them before the documentary. Maybe really? I, maybe I had in passing and I just ignored it because, you know, I can be a little flighty and like whatever, but I was not really familiar with it now. But first I want to talk about your feelings and maybe any experiences you have with MLMs, oh your thoughts, your opinions. So my feelings for this week, I feel great. I started a new job. Ooh. I am now a jewelry designer. I'm happy and I'm here to tell you all, if you are in a toxic work relationship, anything, and you don't feel appreciated, leave. Because I'm telling you, 100%, there is someone out there who will pay you more to do less and you'll be able to relax, okay? Don't stay in any toxic situations because you feel like you have to. You never have say. to. We've both been there. It's really tough. I've been there multiple times. But I only, in every situation, I only wish I quit sooner. Yeah. So if you feel that urge and you hate waking up in the morning and you dread <laughs> going to work, I think, bestie, you got to quit. Find a new job. I used to have a job where I worked at a startup and I'd walk to the tea in the morning and I'd wish that a car would hit me so I wouldn't have to go to work. <laughs> Not kill me or permanently injure me, but just like a tap that I would have to go to the hospital and maybe be out of work for like a few days. So if you feel that way, you should definitely quit. Sandy, what the fuck? <laughs> You never told me that before. Yeah, you really hated it. I was miserable. <laughs> oh my god. Every time I'd walk across the tea, I'd be like, just a gentle tap. Yeah, like if you feel existential dread when you yep, get up, like totally. That's an issue when you should, you should go. I'm feeling good about that. And then I feel like I've been approached by people to join MLMs multiple times, but I have one story. Where this woman, she really got me really far, Ugh. but it was because she didn't, she lied more than other people lied to me before about them. So a few years ago, while I was in film school, I was working during the summertime at a bra boutique. I will not name said boutique. I mean, although if you're listening to this, I'm gonna leave her name out. You fucking bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck 
fuck you and your husband. You guys are creepy. <laughs> if I ever see her on the street. Wait, you just reminded me of the TikTok that's like, this call is for Rachel. <laughs> Stupid ass bitch. <laughs> her and her husband, like, they really tried to fool me. So I was working at this bra boutique, and it was in the mall. And this woman, she comes to the counter. I think she needs help finding a bra. I'm trying to be helpful, customer service, everything. She buys a couple things and then she's checking out with me and she's like, I love your eyebrows. And I go, thank you. And not to toot my own horn, I was born ugly. I had a unibrow. So now I've got big eyebrows that people like. So that's a common thing that I hear. Like, thank you. I shaved them. <laughs> and um, I was like, oh my gosh, thank you so much. And she goes, you know, actually, I have a makeup company that I'm developing. Would you like to be a model for me? She said, I'm developing a company. Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a flat out lie. And I'm like 19. So I'm like, oh, my God. Yes, I would have loved to I was to 18, be. I would have. Of course. Yeah, yeah. Now, if you say the word model to me, I'm like, what kind of model? <laughs> so I was like, oh, my God. Yes, I would love to. She gave me her card. And I was like, this is so cool. And at the time, I was trying to write like a small blog. And I thought, oh, that'd be really fun to do anyways. Like, why not? And I contact her later and then she goes, oh, hey, awesome. At that point, it was the end of the summer. I go back to school and she finally gets back to me. And why I trusted her is because she also said that she worked at this pharmaceutical chemical company. And I had known that like, if you're someone who understands like chemistry, like if you say you're a chemist, you can develop personal yeah. care products. Yeah, like that kind of goes hand in hand. Like my dad makes, he works in a lab making those kinds of products. So I was like, you can make makeup. His other parts of his like company make makeup. So I was like, oh yeah, like she probably actually is doing that and that understands what she's doing. I wasn't going in like stupid, like, oh my God, she just said she like owned a company. I was like, trying to be critical about this. So I contact her and she's like, oh yeah, maybe we can schedule a meeting. And then she was like, oh, where should I meet you? And I thought maybe I'd like meet her at a coffee shop or anything. No, And my schedule was tight because I was in school. You know, you you do have like long classes. Like if you're doing a full undergrad program, like classes can be five hours at least. And that's one in a day. So I was like, I don't really have a lot of time, but I can make time like just for a little bit. And she goes, you know what? I'll make it easy for you. I was living on campus. So she's like, I'll come to your like school cafeteria. And I was like, oh my God, that's so cool. Thank you so much. So I get to my school cafeteria the day that we planned and it was really far out. So it was probably around this time now. Yeah. And her husband is with her and he has a briefcase and a suit on. And I was like, that's weird who's this man? She goes, this is my husband, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, okay, cool. I don't, I don't understand why he's here. It's creepy. And yeah. wearing a suit in a kid's cafeteria, not kids, but yeah, but like college. a college cafeteria and everyone else is like in sweatpants. And I was like, okay, girl, what's going on? And he gives me the MLM spiel about, would you like to make passive income? Do you know what passive income is? And he opens up his briefcase and he had all these like papers and shit. I swear to God, it was like a movie. And my eyes glaze over. <laughs> I don't remember a single thing that man said to me. Oh, no. So <laughs> I just, like, you know, when you like, the information just like washes over you. Because you just want it to be over. So yeah. you're disassociating. <laughs> and I, I was disassociating for like 30 minutes. Like a long time. The sun was starting to set. It was such a long time. And I was like, um, I don't, okay. I was like trying to like ask questions, trying to understand what she was trying to say to me. She didn't really talk that much. 
he came and he said all this stuff and I like didn't even he didn't make me sign anything or anything but I was like um okay like you have a a company you make but I was like you make makeup right like you want me to like model like what do you want me to do like I don't really understand I was trying to ask some questions trying to get some more clarification and because like the information is glazed over me I was like whatever he goes well I have this like meeting you want to come with me to like get more information about it I was like yeah just to get more information yeah, because at this confused. point you have no idea what's going on because yeah. they won't give you a straight answer yeah and I'm confused so I go probably two weeks later there is like um a gathering at like a hotel lobby and Ian takes me and he goes this is sketchy as shit I'm I'm waiting outside for you and I was like yeah I think that it probably is and I don't know why in my mind I was like I still want to see well, if you're already there, yeah. I guess I can see being like, I might as well just go in. Yeah, and she said, like, oh, it's, like, business casual or whatever. So I put on, like, as business casual as a college student I'm literally 19 could be. So I go, and I walk into this big conference room thing, and there's, like, 50 other college students. And I was like, fuck. Sorry, my cat's screaming outside. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, I, like, stand there, and, like, I'm walking. Like, you know when your body's moving, but you don't really realize it, and you're, like, <sighs> yeah. I looked, and I was, like, I don't know where I am. And I sit next to her because she's there, and I sit right in the front row. No. Because she was sitting there. Exit. Yeah. So she was sitting there, and they started talking, whatever, and then it dawns on me to look at her, and my head just, like, snaps to my right and go, do I have to buy something? and she goes um you'll see and I was like what tell me now tell me now I got to buy something and she goes you're asking very good questions and I I sat there seething for like Uh. 20 minutes and this man I'll never forget there was this presenter there he starts going on to his whole MLM spiel and you know what it ended up being Amway it was Amway the oldest MLM ever what do they sell Everything. Chocolates? <laughs> <laughs> what are they selling? I always hated chocolate. <laughs> I always hated MLMs. So it ends up being an Amway recruitment conference. But she lied up until this point telling me that she had a makeup company in development. Did you recruit a new one or did you just like delist her? Oh, <laughs> What I did was I sat through about 20 minutes of this bullshit. This man, I heard him say verbatim, if your friends and family tell you that this is not a safe business venture, then don't listen to them because they're not rich. They don't have a business. And I was like, wait, don't listen to the people who care about you telling you probably you're making a bad decision. I'm out. So I get up. I get up. And it's every it was like 50 people in there. I get up and there's like an aisle and I walk my ass down the aisle. And by the way, during this um, 20 minutes, he's calling on people and I'm pissed. So I'm sitting there with my arm crossed. I'm looking at him and he's like, what's your name? And I was like, Ashley. <laughs> I was so pissed off at this bitch. I was looking at him like, you piece of shit. You lying through your teeth. I'm sitting here like, my name's Ashley. Yeah. He goes, what is it? Ashley. Like this, I'm so mad. And he's like, oh, Ashley, what do you do? And I was like, I'm in fashion. Yeah. And then he started trying to ask more questions, like down the line of the newer people. I declined to answer his questions. Good. I was so mad. I was like, no, no. And then I, it's so clear that I'm pissed off because he's looking at me. As he's presenting, he's looking back and forth at me. 
Like, you know when you see someone's eyes, like, dart a little bit? Yeah, yeah. So I get up after those 20 minutes, and I just mosey my little ass down the aisle. Everyone's looking at me like, oh, my. And her husband runs after me Ew, as I'm outside no. with his briefcase in hand and, like, a clipboard. And he's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm leaving. And he's like, well, um, would you ever re- refer Amway to one of your friends or family? And I was like, get the fuck away from me. And I, like, leave. And I was like, I feel like I just escaped being kidnapped. It sounds exactly like a cult when they're like, well, don't listen to your friends, don't listen to your family, da 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 ignore all logic and reason. And it's the fact that he chased you, I'm not making any excuses for these people, but they're probably under so much pressure because they're in too deep now. Yeah, so he's exactly. he's like panicking and sweating that you're leaving and now they have to start all over again. And not only that, it wasn't until years after reflecting on it, I'd realized I probably embarrassed them. Because, like, I'm their person that they brought in. They probably had a bunch of other people who brought, like, other students. Like, you could see it was a bunch of college-age boys from, like, the College of the Fenway. I just embarrassed this newly married couple who need money, who think they just have, like, a baby. They were trying to, like, work on their lives. And, yeah, I feel a little bit bad for embarrassing them. I don't feel that bad. Oh, I don't, don't lie to they me. should have to- told you what it was from the get-go. And I get that this, that is their recruitment tactic that they want to get people in too deep when they're uncomfortable and they don't want to say no and then they start rationalizing it. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like you might have better luck with people that actually want to do it if you just set it from the get-go. Exactly. I've had other run-ins with MLMs, but that one was the one that I was like, what? And they really almost got me, but only because she lied. I get them all the time where people on Instagram will be in my DMs and try to start a conversation and they'll be like, so do you want to hear about what I do? And I'm like, No. No. Even if it was a legitimate job, I'm like, I'm so busy. I don't need another job right now. Like, and luckily most people back off, like in my experience, in my DMs, but there are some crazy people out there. Oh my gosh. Oh yes. Okay. So we're ready to rage about LuLaRoe. It's one of the many pyramid schemes, but this one is just a very fashion focused one. It's fashion focused. It's mind blowing. It's a hot topic right now. So here we go. I'm just going to start off by saying what it is. So they recruit independent distributors, but they call them fashion consultants to sell products often through social media. So these fashion consultants apply to be a seller basically for LuLaRoe. They go on the website. At one point there was a crazy wait list. (laughs) Then they'll go on like Facebook Live or Instagram or whatever. It was a lot of millennial moms and the PK day of LuLaRoe was probably 2016, 2017. So in 2016, they were doing a billion of sales that would make it the largest, one of the largest firms in multi-level marketing at the time. By 2017, they had 80,000 independent distributors or fashion consultants, as they like to call them. Is derived from non-salaried workforce selling the company's products or services, while the earnings of the participants are derived from a pyramid-shaped or binary compensation system. An MLM strategy may be an illegal pyramid scheme. So basically... They make money from other people selling usually more than whatever product they have. And what makes them different from a traditional pyramid scheme is that they actually have a product to sell. So yeah. they are beginning to sell so leggings. that's how they legally get away with it. Is yeah. They're like, oh, and that's what they said in the LuLaRoe documentary. They're like, well, we're not a pyramid scheme because we have a product. We can talk about the founders who creep me the hell out. They're they weird, feel like robots. Man. They they are not on the same planet as we are the founders are deanne brady and mark stidham 
They're a married couple. They are currently based in Corona, California, and they are space cadets. <laughs> Especially Deanne. If you watch the Lula Rich docuseries on Amazon Prime, you'll see what I mean. They, from her body language to the way she speaks, to, she just feels like an alien. They're both there, but I feel like she is just, she doesn't know what's going on. She is like just looking off into space and kind of like spinning stories about like her life and how great LuLaRoe is and how they're just like providing great businesses for women and how it's uplifting. She really believes that she's doing something good for the world. Yeah. And that, we'll talk about this later, but later on in the docuseries, is a stark contrast from how she actually is. There's some legal things. There's some recorded interrogations of her and she's like, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I, I guess. Yeah, she acts like in this in the interview for the documentary, like she was control she controlled everything and was involved in every process. And then when it comes down time to like the lawsuits and holding people accountable, she's like, I know nothing about that. Yeah, like my hands are off. Like I didn't have any control over that one. Like she's she's actually the one who is the founder of this. Like she's Mark crazy. is just along for the ride. So one of the things that struck me as odd with Deanne. I got a weird vibe from the get-go, but this is when I was like, something is off. So in the Lula Rich documentary, she's talking about her upbringing. She comes from a really big family. And she's talking about how her mom, who wrote a book about some weird ass traditional quote unquote values, oh, no, basically no, like no. pleasing men. Yeah. So her mom did made a few grand doing something. And instead of being a responsible adult and socking it away or spending it on bills, she's like, my mom took the money home in cash and gathered all of us 11 kids and she stood on the stairs and she threw money and said take as much as you can grab blah 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 and i'm like your mom made it rain for her 11 children and that is so fucking weird that is so weird so i don't know if this is controversial but every time i hear i have more than five to six children in my family and they're all from the same like parent I kind of think that's a red flag because like things start to get kind of weird when you get that many kids not that like that many children is a bad thing but I've never I've never met someone who's from a family with that many children who doesn't have some crazy psychological shit going on I agree and I every think, time I think it depends Obviously, a few hundred years ago, that was more common and it was yeah. out of necessity. So I mean, depends, like now. It depends on the timeline, but for sure, it's it's super weird. I don't know. That story, I was like, something's off. Deanne and Mark have 14 children, so they each have children from previous marriages. And then they're, like, bragging about in the documentary. I'm sure you guys have heard of this, oh. too, because it's so weird. They're like, we have 14 children and two of them are married to each other. And you're like, what? And obviously they're adopted and they're not yeah. biologically rela related, but the way that they brought it up was very creepy. I feel like they brought it up in the way that, you know, when your parents go to, like, meet their other parent friends and they're just like, oh, well, like, haha, you know my funny story? They said it to shock you. They like they're acting is what they were doing. They were bringing it up to be shocking. They were acting. They were playing it up a little bit. At first, when I heard, it, I was like, "What?" And then I was like, "Okay, I guess like if they were never in the house together and they just they're like adopted, but they're not like related at all. Whatever, it's fine. I guess they're adults. I think it's strange, but like, yeah, I do. I." It's not that. It could be worse. It could be much. It could much totally worse. be worse, but that wouldn't be something I'd be bragging about on TV. So another odd thing is 
when you watch the beginning of the documentary, Deanne had started this business, quote unquote. She started making skirts at home and selling them at parties. And they became really popular. Women started fighting over them. Eventually, she couldn't keep up with the demand. So she started hiring other women to sell the skirts. So that's kind of how LuLaRoe started. But rewinding a little bit, she had originally worked with her twin, who's named Diane. Which so they're I Diane, Diane, red flag number three. Her mom was like, oh, I have two? Shit. Well, I guess I'll name her <laughs> Diane. Diane. So Diane and Diane had allegedly did the maxi skirts together under a brand called Fitted in 2012. And they even had business cards that said the business was run by twins. So in 2019, Deanna said that they hadn't talked for a really long time. And Lula Rowe basically created a huge rift in the family and they don't talk anymore. So Deanne, I can't even say both their names. Oh my God. I know. Deanne screwed Diane out of something. I did not know that. Yeah. I only watched like the documentary and a couple of like articles. I did not know they had their own thing yep. going on. So that's fishy. And then I won't go into every single person, but. The next red flag about these people is that as soon as the company started taking off, they hired every single family member. Instead of hiring people who were qualified. Yes, who were qualified, who had experience, who made sense. It's like, oh, you're my son-in-law and you want to be the VP of sales? Cool. I mean, I I have like 10 people listed who are family members and it doesn't make any sense. So they are part of the Church of the Latter-day Saints, so they're Mormon. And that's fine. Everyone can believe what they want to believe. Although, what makes them a little bit on the weirder side is that they infuse a lot of their religious beliefs into how they sell and how they operate their business. Yes. Yeah, I remember one of the women who was the fashion consultants, quote unquote, mentioned something clicked for her that something was off when she was at a convention and they started talking about LDS stuff. Be any religion you want, that's totally fine. But why are you talking about it at a business thing? That's that's a cult tactic. Yes. So on the topic of cults, I want to give the definition of what a cult is because Ooh, it's not yeah. always necessarily religious. So a cult can be a misplaced or excessive admiration for a particular person or thing. So it can be a cult of personality surrounding the leaders. It can also be a relatively small group of people having religious beliefs or practices regarded by others as strange or sinister. Strange or sinister, yeah, that's (laughs) an understatement. I wanted to define that for you guys because things start to get really weird when they talk about their religious beliefs or just like sprinkle it in here and there because that's how you get roped into it. I feel like people look at things like this and go, well, how do they get fooled by this? How do they get yeah. like so far in and not realize that what they're doing is unethical or or isn't safe? Well, because they're looking for people who are their friends, maybe down their luck, and they need some guidance. And with promising a better future, giving them the confidence to take hold of their own future, they can sprinkle in those things that make you feel like, oh, like they they must know what they're doing because they're providing me something good. And I think when you talk about how people get roped in, I really feel compassionate for these people because it's human nature to not want to admit when you do something wrong or when you're wrong about something. So it's very much that thing I'm getting in too deep. And maybe you start and your friends and family are skeptical and you're like, okay, now I have to prove them wrong. And I can't say, oh, I got sucked in or oh. It's a confirmation bias. Yeah, it's like... 
it's just human nature. So I just feel bad for people. It's not cool to then take advantage of the next round of people, but I feel bad for the people who are at the bottom and get stuck with all the product and can't move it. Yeah. So as the company grew, they incorporated leggings also with the maxi skirts. And that's when it really took off. People really love the leggings. And I actually have personal experience with these god-awful leggings. How? Okay, so my boyfriend's mom, lover <gasps> to death, she really liked them and she'd buy them off Facebook. And she bought some for me, she bought some for her mom. She loved them. They're they were really comfortable. I personally did not like them. I'm I've already talked about my aesthetic. I'm just not like I love bright things, but not like that. It's like yeah, they try to say, oh, we're colorful, and I love colorful style. That's my thing. They're not but stylish. these were really, I don't even, Gaudy doesn't even describe it. It's like, and I hate, I already said chuggy, and I kind of hate saying the word chuggy, but it's, it is. It's like, there's an aesthetic there, and it feels very, like. It's just, it just wasn't very cute. To be honest, I didn't find them to be very flattering on anyone's body, and for the record, leggings are not fucking pants. They're not pants. They're and not they're pants. Like, oh my god, look how I styled these. And they're it's always ugly. It'll be leggings with like American flags on them or like ghosts. Or it's not even cute patterns half the time. It's like... It looks like a child's costume. It looks like you got them at Walmart. They're like Walmart leggings, basically. And they were like too expensive for like what they were. Yeah. I didn't like the material. They were very, very soft. I like to pull my stuff up like over my stomach. Yeah. And there was no, like, um, resistance to them. The selling point for them was that they, quote, unquote, fit everyone. Because they stretched. Like, you can buy a size small and be, like, a size 16 and you will fit into those freaking leggings. And I was like, something right here. There's no (laughs) way that that can work. What that is, is they're cheap. That way you don't need anyone to, um, to pattern them, to really grade them, anything like that. You don't have to pay people to do those things. So, like, I actually think that they were um, all the same weights with, and then they were just a little bit shorter as they got smaller and, like, a little bit longer as they got um, bigger. <laughs> so that way, they don't actually have to do anything but chop the bottoms off. Oh, my God. Because there's no way they fit everyone, you know? They're just – I. it really sounds also like – and we'll get into this a little bit later I'm gonna put a pin in it but yeah the quality really declined oh yeah so I wonder even what stage you got them because at first that's what people love they love the soft material and then they started the material was shit the patterns started getting really weird but at first there were these patterns that the distributors would even call them unicorns so when you're a distributor or a consultant whatever you want to call it you can choose your styles and sizes, but you can't choose the patterns you're getting. So each distributor gets different products from their inventory. So it's like hit or miss. It's just like roulette. You might get lucky and get a bunch of patterns that are really popular, or you might get shit that you can't move. And so some of the patterns were called like unicorns and they're a lot easier to sell or people would scope them out or you could sell them for a higher price. And another thing I wanted to point out was that they really concentrated in on poor rural areas and just like took advantage of people. There weren't a lot of sellers in big metropolitan areas like New York. I think there are only like 10 sellers at its peak, mm-hmm. which is crazy. Think about how popular Ten. New York is. That's insane. And then you go to like bumfuck Colorado and there were like 10 people in a small town. So they yeah. were really targeting specifically stay-at-home moms in poor areas. So that's so, that's what makes it so much more problematic. In the Lula Rich documentary, there was a woman who I remember distinctly because she had the same name as me. 
and it was spelled the same way. So I was like, oh my oh, God. Oh yeah, Ashley Lataha. Yes. So she was in Hawaii and she got in contact with Deanne and she was one of the first people to sign up with her. She had a really good time like selling and everything. And I, it, I thought about what she was saying and what stage of life she was saying. Cause she said she was a new mom. She had two kids. She just graduated college and she was a military wife. Oh yeah. So I was like, oh, so you're probably very young. I don't remember her saying how old she was. We all kind of know that if you're a military wife, you probably got married at like 18, you know, yeah. or like 19 or 20, Yeah, like very, very young. So I was like, oh, girl, you have no money is what yeah. you were telling us without saying you didn't have any money. And that's kind of who else would join because they were like, I need a side hustle. I need something to do. I need to figure out a way to like provide for me, my husband, my family, my children. Like, it's crazy that they like to prey upon those kinds of people, which is- goal what is so similar to it being a cult Yeah. because cults will look for people who need guidance, need help, just don't have like a strong foundation behind them. Yeah. Yeah. It's who they target. I feel like we're going to keep going back to that, like how yeah. they target people and how it's problematic, but it's totally on purpose. So to be, and I had something from Ashley I wanted to say, not you, Ashley, the <laughs> other Ashley from the Lula Row documentary. But first I just wanted to mention, so, Say you wanted to be a distributor for LuLaRoe, a lot of times they had a list. So you had to get on the list and then you're, you had to purchase your initial inventory. It's not given to you. So you have to put down between five and nine grand. Which is a red flag red to flag begin with. Red flag number 5,000. You never have to pay for a job, which is why I looked at that woman and I was like, I, had, I got a bag. Buy what? That means this is not our job. No, it's not. And they recommend that you keep around $20,000 worth of inventory on hand. You know, just so they can have that $20,000 just in case you don't sell anything. Oh my gosh. So hard. 20, that's horrible. Like nobody has that laying around. Nobody. And when you're making a poverty wage, that's what you make all year. Yeah. So then the distributors make money. For, they can make money two ways. They either sell directly to customers or they have the downline, quote unquote, which is all the people below them. So then that's like Ashley was on the tippity top of the pyramid. So that's how she made so much money. Because she was literally the first or second person that she'd gotten contact with. Yeah. So it's like at that, you didn't even have to work at that point because it just blew up and all she had to do was sit back and she got in early. Um, but I thought it was interesting. They asked her in the documentary if there was a time when she was bringing in more money from the downline than from actually selling the clothes and she wouldn't answer the question. Oh, her eyes are very big and very expressive and they look glassy. Like she looks like she's going to cry. Which is like, we all know the answer to that. Just own it. That kind of bothered me because everybody else in the documentary was really owning it and being like, yep, I took advantage of people, but I didn't really realize what I was doing. Da, 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 da. And, and they were also like, being taken advantage of as well. Unless they were Ashley or another girl named Brittany, who was like the second person. I did want to mention yes. in these downlines, why a pyramid scheme is so unethical is because you can only have about 13 levels and that's... By the time you get to the 13th level, there's more people than there would be on the population of the earth. <laughs> so they're never ethical. You'll never actually make any money. And usually by the time you hear about it, it's already too late. You literally have to be like the first, second, third, fourth person or else there is none. And quickly after Ashley had onboarded, there was like 30 people. It got kind of insane. Yeah, she had at least six or seven rows under her, which if you think about that statistic that you just said, that's insane. Robert Fitzpatrick, who appeared frequently throughout the docuseries, is an MLM expert. And he Ooh. actually said that 
statistic of the 13 levels and he was so over these fucking people he was so over it he really was like this is unethical and it's so clear that that's what it is just because they're selling a product they still have all of the other things that make yeah. a pyramid scheme yeah it's just because you have a product is a loophole around it it's so messed up and you know what really who else i felt bad for i can't i feel bad i couldn't find her name without rewatching the documentary and no offense guys but i was not about to rewatch it i started rewatching it and then i was like i can't do this is it her is she the one with the who lost her house i don't think it's her oh there's a couple people there's actually a handful of people okay so i felt really bad for courtney harwood so she was the one she looked so heartbroken and sad i could just i felt horrible for her there was like sadness radiating from her aura she the, even the her imdb picture is like a still from the show and she looks like her like humpty dumpty like she's like i just i felt really bad like she made a killing and she bought two really expensive cars they had a crazy house um she had her license plate say LuLaRoe something she wanted her husband's to even say LuLaRoe bro and he was like no but she said even though she made all this money they were encouraging her constantly to spend all of it to look like she had this lavish lifestyle so she even mentioned she went out to a dinner once took her team quote unquote to a dinner and spent 10 grand what are you eating that costs 10 grand probably just like bottles of like the most expensive whatever but it's like you she now so she had to file for bankruptcy she lost everything she got divorced she lost her car she lost her home but it's so sad because imagine making that much and then you have nothing to show for it because she was manipulated yeah and you know what else which is another thing red flag if you have to now have this lifestyle because part of why they wanted them to buy so much stuff and make sure they're spending the money is first they will come back and continue selling because, well, they need to keep making money. If they made all this money and put it away, they can probably just say, I'm done now. I'm good. If they feel like it, most people don't do that. But if it's possible, like I would do that. That's a dream. I would do that for sure. If I made a million dollars, just like, I'm good. I'm done. Um, it's but, kind of like gambling where yeah. like, they don't want you to pull out. Exactly. So the other thing that I think is really important to note is that it's important for you to look lavish in these because that way they they would encourage them to post on social media. Oh, look at my new my new Bentley. Look yeah. at my house. Oh, look at my new Birkin bag. Like they weren't buying Birkins, but that's the first thing. They're still buying. They They're buying buy, like, Louis bags. Chanel bags. Yeah. yeah, like bags that you can't buy online, and you have to go in the store and they have to check your tax bracket first. They want you to show those things because they want you to entice other people to want those things and say, well, if I work for them, look how good they're doing. I'll do that good too. And that is for sure manipulation. They just want to get you and make you feel bad. Yeah, totally. Do you want to talk a little bit about the fall of Lula Robe, starting with the product's decline? It looks like around 2017 is where there was a steep decline in their products because how long can you really run a company with just people going by the seat of their pants? Like your aunt and your cousin and your dad. Like, yeah, literally like, think imagine of your own aunt, <laughs> your own cousin, your own dad, your own mom. Handling billions of dollars and product development and manufacturing. Around 2017, they were estimated to be worth about $2.3 billion. So imagine, I don't even, I can't even think more than like a million dollars. I'm like, what's that? I know, I can't even. The number stops being real anymore. So I was like. We're not technical math people, so we just can't. No. (laughs) 
yeah so they can't really this is not sustainable for the workers but also for the people on top it's not sustainable and they were living life lavish they were doing a lot of conventions. Oh, they yeah, had the private planes. Private planes. Katy private Perry. Planes. They had Katy Perry go on, Kelly Clarkson go on. And you guys, you have to watch the documentary because, okay, That's there's this guy who's in there and they didn't even credit him on IMDb and he was the star of the show. <laughs> and he was clearly just like the accountant person, but he was ready to spill, bitch. And he was saying, oh, I can't listen to Kelly Clarkson anymore because like her music is just so tainted for me because she'd perform at the LuLaRoe conventions. So imagine Kelly Clarkson, Katy Perry, these are insanely popular people who cost millions just to book. So if that puts into perspective what was in their priorities, first of all, and how much money they were pulling in, it's insane. Yeah. It's really gross. And so by contrast, they're making all this money, but because they can't keep up with the demand, so 2016, 2017 is when they started getting the reports of the rip leggings, um, the ones that developed holes after one wear. There was a really big thing that the stinky leggings that yes. all these women said they had, couldn't even keep them in their house because they smelled so bad. They're soaking wet. They had issues with um, the designers were being, it was like cracking the whip. Like they had to be, have 20, maybe even more. I forget the number. Oh, designs. it was like, it came up to a hundred. So in the documentary, Ileana Estrellas, I think that's how you say her name, was one of the like first designers. She was talking about how we had to be making this insane quota. They were just making anything and they started plagiarizing things because yeah, they because didn't they have enough time. Keep up with the demand. She was like, listen, every once in a while, like they would lose their jobs if they didn't basically, there was no way around it. And then they also had the hamburger leggings with the hamburger like iron on the crotch. It looked like a vagina. Yeah, they had multiple things that, or there was something that looked like a dick, like some like tower. It was the, the tower leading of tower of Pisa. <laughs> and it was, just positioned so perfectly. It was cut so badly that it looked like you literally had a big orange and yellow penis. And there was <laughs> one where it was like a bee flying into your cross, yeah. like a big yellow bee on some blue leggings. So one thing that really illuminated this part of it, because I've been following this for a couple of years because Vice had already done a- um, Oh, I didn't realize that. When this came out, I was like, holy shit. Cause I knew it was a thing already because of his mom, he, she like showed me all this stuff and I was like, something right. And I'm, I'll be right back. I'm gonna do some research. And I did and I was like, what the fuck? But yeah, I've been following this for a couple of years and I'd heard about the stinky leggings. And turns out in the, <laughs> uh, <laughs> the stinky pants, um, it turns out in the documentary, they say that the reason why the leggings were so stinky is because they were left outside. They'd ordered so much to meet the demand, they didn't have anywhere to put it all. So they were just outside in Corona, California, in outside, there's no warehouse. They're in their parking lot in big trash bags. Getting molded. Getting rained Ugh. on. No one's doing anything to help. Uh. They're just sitting there. It's disgusting. In the hot California sun. Yeah, imagine getting bugs. rained on, being soggy, and then being really it's disgusting right. it is disgusting and like imagine like just birds flying overhead there's probably sixty thousand pairs of leggings and trash bags in this big they showed it it was like a big metal container thing there's no top on it that's disgusting and that's why everyone's getting like these terrible things it might not have ever been that the production was actually getting worse it could have just been like poor handling on their actual part yeah i also think that if they do what a lot of companies do they probably 
went to a cheaper manufacturer so they can have a, yeah, a, sure. a larger yeah. product margin. Profit but you margin. have to know that's you have to listen to our fast fashion episode about that. That's problematic in itself, depending on where you manufacture it. But you have to at least know where you're going so that the quality is not slipping. Like you get your samples, you do like they yeah, but they're uneducated. Shit. They have no idea. Um, founders were like, well oh if you can't sell those leggings that's not on you i don't want to hear that they're damaged like you're not working hard enough like that's a cult yes yes they don't take any personal responsibility and people were starting to say hey why are my my products so bad and they had a buyback program to entice you to want to start to feel like okay it's fine when they first started they had a thing you could sell it back all to them and the you give your money back and you could just say, you know what, I'm done. I don't want to do this. It didn't work out for me. Right when the stinky leggings started to be an issue, no more buybacks. They'd only give you a certain amount. And then later on when it became a very large issue and not just some people complaining about it, everyone is complaining about it. They go, no buybacks. You know, it's fi- sale, final sale. Nope, no, 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 we're not doing any of it. Leave us alone because they were in some hot water. And it did and create some class action lawsuits because of it. Yeah, they've had so many lawsuits, we can't even talk about all of them. So yeah, in 2017, when all that started going on, their uh, Better Business Bureau rating went down to an F. (sighs) Which, like, it should be. I don't even know how you can operate if you have an F. You know what I mean? They should shut you down at that point. If anybody knows about the BBB, like, let us know how that works. Um, Contact us at ReadyToRage at Instagram. (laughs) So yeah, they basically... Exactly like you said, they made that policy and people still weren't getting their refunds and like everybody was trying to sell their stuff back. It was like a mass exodus basically for the fashion consultants. They were all trying to return their product and get out. So I also think that they panicked and were like, oh, we can't do this program anymore, which just made people more angry. So yeah, and then around all this time they started making Facebook groups about the complaints. So a lot of the sellers were able to get together and connect with each other. And um, one of the people in the documentary said um, they got more support in the anti-LuLaRoe Facebook group than they ever did like actually in LuLaRoe because it was finally like confirmation that they were in this cult and that they were being swindled. Yeah, and it was kind of another cult red flag is when people did leave, and they went to other communities, they they were not embraced and said, okay, well, good luck on your future endeavors, love you still. It was like, oh, you're leaving, you traitor, you're a bad person. Yeah, it was like um, Scientology in a way yes. where when people would leave LuLaRoe, if a high, a high level person, obviously, not your average Joe, but if a high level person left and decided they didn't want to do it anymore, they would tell all the other sellers, you cannot have contact with this person like whatsoever or you will be fired. And in Scientology, which I firmly believe is a cult, oh, yes. um, they say the same thing, you're excommunicated and you cannot contact anybody who's left. I think around this time as well, they start to spiral even further into cults territory because not only are they creating a us versus them mentality they also start to ask things that are way out of the scope of or like i guess there's no real like job description (laughs) for this but way out of what should be their job description of their sellers um if you are high enough high up enough seller they would ask you if you were in contact with deanne and mark to go to tijuana and get a 
gastric bypass surgery, but not here in Tijuana. So along with them wanting to show a certain image about the, who is working for their business, they want you to lose weight as well, along with the expensive cars, flashy clothes, amazing house. And that drove even more people away because I think, I, I think it's pretty fair to say who's willing to wear these clothes who are moms, they're probably not the thinnest women. They're not very, very young. And that's entirely okay. You should wear whatever you feel like. Yeah, but you know what their yeah. you know what their demographic looks like. So it's even weirder that they wanted to show these like weird surgerized bodies. It's very, very, very culty at this point. Like it's either you're in the cult of LuLaRoe and you do exactly what Mark and Deanne say, or you are out and you're a bad person and it uh, gets so weird. Oh, and then they had the cruises, and I loved, oh, I can't think of her name, but I love the woman who's like, I was not about to go on a cruise with a bunch of white people. Oh, like, I, I no, love thank her. you. I love like, Wait, so I think her name was Lachey. Yeah, yeah, that sounds right. So Lachey Kimbrough was a seller first. She wanted okay. to be a seller, and she was also higher up, and then she moved into a customer service position. So she wasn't selling for very long. But there are videos of her in the documentary where she is like, oh my God, I'm in LuLaRoe, like who wants to buy? She was a seller, but she said it. And I was like, bitch, and me and Ian were watching together. <laughs> and I was like, Lachey, this is a white woman's game. You're in LuLaRoe. I, I said it to him and he was like, I didn't say it out loud first. And then he was like, this is a very white thing. What is she doing? And it's then she said, which is why I was kind of like, I feel bad, but I don't feel that bad. There's more shit that's important to be worried about. Cause it's at the end of the day, it is your choice. Yeah. And then she goes, I didn't go on that cruise. Something about being on a giant boat with a bunch of white people is not good for me. And she's the only black woman on the show. So I was like, there it is. Me and Ian were like, yeah. Lachey has some sense. Holy shit. Yeah. Because it's not, I just have to say this, it's not even, obviously, I don't want to talk on her behalf, but that's, like, not even white people. That is, like, a very specific a very brand niche. of white people. Yeah, it's, like, its own fucking subcategory. So, I wouldn't want to be with those white people either, and I'm white. And, <laughs> and if you think about it, I might, like, say this more at the end, but if you think about it, you do have to have a certain level of privilege to say... I don't want to get a nine to five job. I don't want to go and work at yeah, totally. McDonald's or Walgreens. I'm going to find a way. I'm going to beg, borrow, steal from everyone else. That's a very privileged way of thinking instead of saying, well, guess I'm going to go fill out that Burger King application yep. to feed my baby. Or uh, I guess I'm going, if I, you really have that much drive and motivation, I guess I'm going to start my own business. It's like yeah. an easy cop out to feeling like hot take. Anybody who's in a pyramid scheme is like, I'm on business. It's just such an easy cop-out loophole. To like, say that you Cheating have one. way to say that you're running your own business in your own time. And really, you're not. You're not taking all the, the responsibilities that an actual business has. Like, unless it's in your name. Unless the LLC is in your name, you do not own it. And it comes out business. of your taxes. You do not own it. Yeah, you don't own it. And, like, I, I don't know who needs to hear this. Bestie, you don't have a business if you are selling something for someone else. Yep. Unless and you're, the you're franchise. doing sales and that's fine to do sales. But I guess my whole, as we're going through this and talking about it, my whole realization is like, just be honest and say what you're doing. Say you're in sales. I mean, say really, sales. what the most important thing is, is don't lie to yourself. 
lie to me. Yes. <laughs> lie to me. Don't lie to yourself, baby girl. That's bad. That's really bad. That is bad. And that's how people get sucked in. Like you yeah. said, like that's, and that could be a whole, that's a whole psychological therapy. Like <laughs> people lie to themselves all the time. So it's a pandemic, but I mean, epidemic. It's, a pandemic. it's an epidemic. <laughs> I'm tired. Yeah. So very culty with the looks, really strange. So basically the dress to, there's so many lawsuits. I, if we went into all of them, you guys would fall asleep, but they did get sued by the Washington state attorney general's office. That was in the documentary. And oh my God, Apollo, please. He is running so hard. He's running amok. He's so excited. Um, yeah. So they were sued for being a pyramid scheme and the state did win that case. Since February 2019, they have hundreds of new complaints totaling 300 cases. The company is still at an F rating from the Better Business Bureau. In 2019, they announced they'd be closing its distribution center in Corona and relocating part of that business to South Carolina, and they laid off 167 people. Oh, wow. Okay, and then I think I want to close with what LuLaRoe actually says about themselves. Oh, I love this. So they say... We believe every individual is beautiful, unique, and most of all, powerful. And through these attributes, we believe anyone can create and live a life of purpose and gratitude. These beliefs are why LuLaRoe was created. This has nothing to do with anything. They're just saying random words. Beautiful. Grateful. Gratitude. Powerful. Strong. They go on to say, They bind us together like threads, sewing us into a community of lasting love and fellowship. So, I know this might be kind of weird. The word fellowship, that is a church word. Yep. That is a church word. And they just hammer home the, like, you guys have to understand that it's a very Mormon belief to, like, men are providers, women are whatever. You know, there's a patriarchal hierarchy. They kind of weave into the fabric of their business. And them, like, kind of saying, oh, you're powerful, whatever, fellowship. I'm like, this is so clearly so tied into their own religious beliefs. It's it's weird. Well, Deanne made a really disgusting comment, too, that was like, if you're a wife, all you have to do is get on your knees for five minutes out of the day and your husband will give you money. I... It's just this weird, like, duality it's of people gross. who are religious in this way because they're like... And then you make comments like that. And yeah. And it's like, what? And it's like... <laughs> Did you, I don't, I don't think, like, you're, you ran face first into the point and you still missed it. I don't get it. I don't get how you, those words came out of your own mouth. No, that's, that's what a, a wife does. Bitch, what? Also, I do think it was um, interesting that, like, watching it throughout, it was so clear DM was running the show. So, yeah. in the when all the legal stuff starts to happen they have taped recordings of them asking them like oh well is it true that you made more money from people being recruited rather than selling actual products and mark isn't really shown too much he's shown being questioned but deanne is the one who is being shown the most because it's so clear that she was the one who was really running the show yeah one of our really good friends would always say the husband is the head but the wife is the neck Deanne is one very, very strong neck, okay? She was running everything. It was her business, her idea, everything, all the promotional videos, like, he'd be there. But she was calling all the shots, which I think, if you look at the very first, like, five minutes of the docuseries, 
they come into this beautifully decorated room very bright a little too bright like it almost hurts your eyes it's so yeah. bright and colorful and deanne is like fluffing this um oh, the carpet it's so weird where she's sitting and i was like oh i see her valentino shoes she wore those because they're so distinct we all know those are valentino so she's like fluffing this carpet and telling mark fluff it over there move it over there it's so nice and they spend like a couple like minutes going through trying to fix this and she's like oh look 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 it's so nice like making sure it's good and i was like this is so the way that she does this is the way she does everything yeah she is doing this because this is just how she is and mark is just going in he's, he's following like, oh yeah, yeah yeah of course yeah well i don't know about you but i'm exhausted yeah <laughs> So at the end of the day, guys, don't don't do these if you can help it. If it, I understand that sometimes people get roped into things they don't really realize how severe these things are. If you have to pay to have your business in this way, it's not your business. You shouldn't have to sell your breast milk, what a lot of women were doing. <gasps> sell your house. That. Yes, you should not have to pay a lump sum to join and you should not have to you should not make money based upon the amount of people who are under you don't lose friends and family trying to sell them ugly leggings because you're harassing them don't cold message anyone there are a bunch of girls from my high school who would they did this fitness one i wish i could remember what it was called but it was like shakes and like nutrition programs oh was it like uh i actually had a teacher who was a um beach body it I don't think it was Beachbody, but it was something like that. Anyways, these pyramid schemes are all over the place. They're not going anywhere, but just be wary because it's easy to get your life ruined. I would suggest that you gain a skill and you, I don't know, learn to make lip gloss or something, sell something, make something, or pick up a part-time job and work on your own side hustle if you really desire to have your own business. There is no easy way to do those types of things. You've got to, you've actually got to make something. You have to learn how to make it, how to market it, how to produce it, how to manufacture it. I, that's extremely overwhelming because that's my, yeah, I have to learn how to do all that stuff and so do you, but it's better <laughs> than backpacking off of someone else I, else's idea, you know? If it seems too good to be true, probably it, is. It is. Yeah. yeah. Well, guys, thanks for joining us and bitching about LuLaRoe. Go watch that docuseries and tell us what you think. Leave comments on our Instagram about what you think. Yeah, if you've already watched it, we hope it was a good summary and add in some spicy commentary. Yeah, spicy. (laughs) All right, until next time. Thanks for listening. Bye. Thank you for listening to Ready to Rage. You can follow us on Instagram and TikTok at Ready to Rage Podcast. Send us an email with your thoughts on the episode. Anything you'd like us to include in the future at Ready to Rage Podcast at gmail.com. You can also donate on Patreon at Ready to Rage. Don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes. Thank you. Thank you. Rage. <laughs>